You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. On Sunday, we resumed our series through the Book of Romans after taking a week off for worship in the park. This week, Pastor Josh completed the first chapter, covering verses 24 through 32. This is a challenging passage in that it creates tension for us by drawing attention to humanity's broken state. Although the passage is not exclusively dealing with the issue of homosexuality, it was a significant focus. In our discussion today, we're talking about how parents can navigate these conversations with their kids. We also talk about whether certain sins are or should be viewed as more significant than any other expression of sin. We're focusing on these things and much more today on After the Message. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast this week. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good. Did you guys know that James Earl Jones <laughs> retired from the voice of Darth Vader? But <laughs> I didn't know that. But, yeah. but he gave the rights to his voice That's to right. oh. uh, to them to use the rights to his voice. Mm-hmm. I've yeah, been he, contemplating who I'm going to give the rights to my voice to. I, I haven't quite so, figured that so, out. So okay, People want it? I know. It, so how does that work though? <laughs> how does that work in future movies? I think they just anything they've recorded up to this. Oh, I don't know about other movies though. Uh-huh. Like future movies, like other. Yes. But like no, I meant like if other movies he's been in, can they take his voice oh, from I think, other I think so. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they, they have the rights. But like so who's gonna do the want. voice moving forward? That's the question. They'll just reuse, reuse Mike his. his stuff that he's done. They'll sorry. reuse it, put it in a computer and make it say whatever they want. What if it's unique script? I thought that was nah, funny, man. Corey. Oh no. Nobody matter. said anything, well, nobody it? heard it. Wait, okay. I didn't hear it. I said Mike Kate was gonna take James oh, right, right. <laughs> so this is uh, okay. So this is now. So they're going to do deep fake audio. Yep. Yeah. Yes. That's they what's are. coming. That's that's mm-hmm. what. Yep. Sorry to hear. Yep. Just saying. The reason we're talking with this is because my wife criticized my voice on the podcast. I want everybody <laughs> to know that. That's the the environment I live in. She's hostile. <laughs> it's not. It so let's, let's talk about the specifics of that because she Soft? she criticized the fact that you tend to be more. I'm uncomfortable that you just devalued your wife and, uh, <laughs> on a podcast, and oh, she listens wow. regularly. She listens. The criticism was oh. that that you tend to be a little softly. more breathy or soft. That I get like this thoughtful, <laughs> thoughtful <laughs> counselor, counselor voice. You can't even do it now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so we were all practicing our. We thought. were. We but were Preston all, had the best one. We were all practicing our thoughtful voices oh, before we started. What a sermon. <laughs> What is um, so, which actually sounds a little creepy when I do it. <laughs> uh, so well, let's move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're all in the room today, and uh, we we have the disadvantage that uh, Josh. You <laughs> forgot his name. Who actually, Josh. No, I was just thinking about how I was going to say this. <laughs> the pastor, the Josh. Who uh, I was going to call him our fearless leader or something like that, but you know, uh, Josh, who actually preached the message on Sunday, is not here today. Mm. He is mm. away with his family Perfect for fall timing break. for Josh. Yep. Mm. and it happens to be one of the harder topics that we'll ever cover, <laughs> mm. and uh, so he left it to us, and so. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of thoughtful High voices. confidence. That's hey, his, his vote in us, right? We should have thought ahead and used this deep fake voice. What a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> made him say whatever we wanted Who wants to, to be do? Josh today? <laughs> these weird comments and be like, that didn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if only we had the capabilities here. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so we were continuing our um, our 
our push through the book of Romans. And, and of course, we've been at it for several weeks now, and we're still, uh, we just finished up the first chapter um, this past Sunday. And uh, so in many ways, uh, you know, this was a hard, this was a hard passage. It's a hard passage to preach. And, and, and Josh talked about it when he, when he preached it. I mean, he talked about the tension that he felt um, and, and maybe even some of the anxieties. I talked to him after the message and he said, you know, there were at least a couple of times during the message that he felt this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, almost anxiety come on mm-hmm. him. Um, and, uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a weighty passage and yeah. he, he, he was clear to say that, you know, we have to set up the problem before mm-hmm. we can talk about the solution. And mm-hmm. that's, right. that's, uh, so, that's a, that's yeah, a lot of what right. this passage did. Hey, on I, Sunday. just commenting on that, I was super appreciative of just his approach to this passage mm-hmm. and how well he did handle it. Mm-hmm. I, I know, like you said, he was he was very anxious. He was caring a lot during that whole message, and but yet mm-hmm. I thought was really clear and yeah, yeah, um, and very loving. Mm-hmm. What what stood out to you? Like what um, that that demonstrated that the best? You think? One, I think just the way he chose to say some things, like just just the mm-hmm. way he articulated some some truth was was super helpful. Um, but I also think uh, at the end where he pointed back to we cannot forget how Paul starts this letter mm-hmm. and grace and peace. Mm-hmm. Like that, that whole context of mm-hmm. we have to have this conversation inside of this truth that this grace, mm-hmm. this hope, the peace that we long for is only found in Christ. Yeah. And so while this mm-hmm. passage, I don't know about you guys, but even as as I sat with the college group yesterday, when you read this passage and you truly understand the weight of sinfulness mm-hmm. and the hopelessness of mankind, it does not leave you feeling good, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so it just makes mm-hmm. the good news of Jesus. And I thought he did a great job of no of taking us there and then saying, but we have to remember that this hope that we mm-hmm. long for is found in Christ. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think um, there's part of the reason for the the anxiety. I think is there's a lightning rod on both sides, mm-hmm. right? And it, it's so sensitive right now. And there are those, and we, we talked about this in our life group, and we, and we just approached it as we we've got two things we want to uphold here: truth and love. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, and those are the things that you you got to find a way to to hang on to. If you feel like you go overboard with truth, it sounds like it becomes judgmental. And I know Josh doesn't want to become judgmental, but he wants to be clear on truth. If you if you feel like you go too far on love, then it then it looks like it's um you you're condoning the behavior. Mm-hmm. We just accept everybody and and don't have to you know to to share the truth. Well, both of those you kind of walk a tightrope because you know you've got people on either extreme listening or in the audience who are feeling the tension of either side. Some who just walk in with a posture of frustration and and anger of where we are as a society, and some who walk in understanding the brokenness and even have friends who are hurting through this, and they're very sensitive and compassionate. And to walk right down that middle, um, man, he was spectacular. I think my favorite part was the end Mm -hmm. where he clearly said, we don't hate you. We love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then th- I think that that needed to be said from the pulpit for this church to hear our pastor say that that clearly was yeah. helpful. Yeah. Right. yeah, and I think part of the tension comes too because uh, you know uh, society um, has has set this up in such a way that like you you can't disagree and love me. That's mm-hmm. right. Right. Like so, it is like the narrative is. 
if you disagree or if you don't approve, then you are a bigot and you are, mm-hmm. um, you know, you are full of hate. And, and so, you know, I think that creates tension as well. Sure. It's like, yeah. because, sure. uh, I think it's, uh, it's become, uh, it's become, and, and maybe that's part of the agenda, but it's, it's become a polarized thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. you're either for me or you're against me. Yeah. Right. That was the struggle. Uh, I taught two life groups yesterday, different age groups. <laughs> And that was kind of one of the common themes that popped up in both of them is, um, you know, I, I want desperately to love this person while sharing with them truth from God's Word. This is what God says about this this matter, um, but demonstrating that in love. But then it feels like there's this other kind of cultural push or movement that I, that I want to take a stand against because... And, and in several cases, it was because of kids, right? Because right. there's a a push to try to normalize things with our kids that we don't want to just sit back and allow it and look look back 20 years from now and go, yep, we just watched it happen. Mm-hmm. But how do I push back against that while uh, sharing the truth and love with people and it not look like I'm just against them? And I thought, back to the question of, of the sermon, mm-hmm. I, I think Josh did a great job trying to to demonstrate that here's clearly what God says about this topic and not but and we love you yeah. and it's out of love that yeah. we would share what God says you know the the least loving thing we could do is to be so fearful of um of those polarizing topics mm-hmm. yeah that we don't share what God says, yeah, um, because that's not what we're called to do. Well, I think so. Uh, I think you just set us up great for for probably uh, to tackle one of the first questions that that, that we wanted to, um, you know, because this passage doesn't deal uh, exclusively mm-hmm. with the issue of homosexuality, but that is the that is the part of this that mm-hmm. kind of everybody becomes drawn mm-hmm. to. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that, that came up in our life group was, uh, because we have, we have people in our group that, that have young kids mm-hmm. and, um, and there was a lot of, uh, angst expressed over how I navigate, how, you know, parents asking, how do we navigate this topic mm-hmm. with our kids? And, you know, uh, one particularly just felt the, the, the need or the desire, I think, to shelter Mm-hmm. Um, which I get, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and even felt the tension during the message, uh, you know, with, with, um, having their kids listen, listen mm-hmm. to, to it. And so, you know, can we talk about just for a minute? I mean, you yeah. know, how do you, how do we navigate this with our, with our kids? Yeah. I, so yeah. Next gen pastor. Yeah. Take the lead. <laughs> Go for it. Sean, yeah. it's all you. So, so I think, um, uh, one of the things we tried to do was communicate out to parents to, let them know that this was coming, mm-hmm. but to encourage them to engage the conversation. Like, I, I think so many times when we think about difficult conversations, even with our kids, like forget culture for a minute, just with our kids, yeah. we, we just want to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because what we may feel like is that we don't have the answers, right? And so so I think we ha- we have to encourage our kids to engage that conversation and to talk about the things in our culture. However, I think it's also important to pay attention to your children and allow them to lead you a little bit into the things that they're, they're struggling with, they're wrestling with, they're thinking about. Um, for, for instance, if we take this sermon and 
they don't ask any questions about it, then it may it may not warrant you launching into this in-depth discussion mm-hmm. over the topic. Um, however, it may be helpful to ask them, hey, what did you hear today? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think probably a more important piece just in having any conversation is creating a safe space in your home so that kids can engage you in conversation. And so, so I think one of the things is only give them, um, only give them what they need. Right. I think our, our tendency is oftentimes our kids will ask a question, um, and we'll launch into this theological discourse and they're going to get bored with it. Um, so, so especially with younger kids, answer the question and wait for more questions, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think sometimes we might find that they satisfy. I think one of the examples for a young kid, if if a young kid asks specifically what is what is homosexuality, um, you could start off by saying, well, the Bible tells us that it is a sin. And then uh, for a young kid, they may go, well, what's sin? Well, then that, that may lead us down a path to begin discussing um, just the gospel and biblical context. And that may be all a young kid needs. However, if we push on into older childhood, teenage life, I think we need to to t- kind of dig in and start unpacking why does the Bible say this? What is that? What does culture tell us? Um, and so we um, we do have a resource that actually is um, from a group called Axis that we've shared with some families that talks about culture's stance on not only homosexuality but the LGBTQ plus movement. Um, and it, it outlines all of the different ideas that's in culture and how do you how do you ask questions and discuss these things. Hmm. Um, but then also coming back to what is what does the Bible say about them? And so um, I I really think it's important to engage our children with conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it may be topics that you need to leave for a little bit and come back to mm-hmm. and to revisit them often. Um, I mean, if you want all the answers, we would have to spend days on it mm-hmm. because every conversation is going to be going to be different. Can I yeah. can I build on that for a second? Uh-huh. And I think it's something I've heard actually almost everybody in this room talk about with our with our families, which is um, I think as parents in the church, we often do not do a thorough job providing our kids a frame for what sin is. Right. We in the heat of the moment and the need for discipline. I think what we do is we actually turn, we put a frame that sin is a behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we punish the behavior, and our kids walk away with the sin is the behavior mm-hmm. rather than Man. a conversation that yeah. says to them, tell me what led, what mm-hmm. feelings, what thoughts did That's you have, right. what feelings did you have that led to that action, That's which right. does that. And the second piece of it is, I think the best way we do that is when we apologize to our children, mm-hmm. when we repent and confess sin that we have wounded or damaged or hurt, mm-hmm. lied to our kids, mm-hmm. we have an opportunity to come back and say, I'm apologizing to you, I'm confessing this to you, and let me tell you what was going on yeah. inside of me. That provides a holistic view of sin being more than just behavioral mod, mm-hmm. which Josh referenced on Sunday Market. This is the thing I've heard you talk about, and you may want to respond to this. It's 
it's sin is more than a behavior. Mm-hmm. It's more than you did that wrong. It is what was the internal mm-hmm. thing that led right. you to that? That's let's go there and let's talk about go that heart, right, right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you just brought up a good point that um, I'm probably going to add to my parenting skills. <laughs> um, it's easy, easy, easier to apologize for the action. I lashed out at you or I was impatient with you. I'm sorry. But it's another thing that that says, hey, I'm going to go deeper and really model what you just said. Mm-hmm. There's something inside of me, yeah. um, a selfishness or a, a woundedness or... Here's how or, my brokenness yes, tends to come out in these exactly situations. That's exactly right. Yeah. I, I am broken beyond just my impatience that lashed out at you. There's a deeper rebellion against God's design and God's plan. Mm-hmm. And because of my selfishness, I often suppress that and don't submit to that, mm-hmm. which is what sin is. Mm-hmm. And and modeling like what you're saying, that it's deeper than just the behavior. That's um, right. It's yeah. when we reject his plan and his his design. Well, so, and I think it trains them too. I, I love that you brought that up, and I've seen that. I don't do that super well with my kids, but but sometimes when I'm more thoughtful, I do, and it always leads to a better conversation in the end. But one of the things I think it it does, it it helps them to begin training themselves to look right. inward and not rely on external mm. pressure mm. to live a certain way. So good. But if we don't have the conversation, I don't think the natural bent for any of us is to want to look inward, right? right. We just want to deal with the behavior yeah. and keep moving forward. That's so right. when we ask our kids that question... I know I'm I'm thinking of one in particular in our family. The the initial response usually is I don't know. Like like tell me what's going mm-hmm. on inside of you right now and it will be an I don't know, but if I can sit with it for a minute, usually we'll get right. to something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's a training uh for them. Yeah. yeah, like so here's the the close example as you guys were talking. I could think of so Catherine our daughter is 20. So we have an adult in the house who comes in and out like doing school year and weekends and stuff and I asked for something which was important to me. And it wasn't as important for her. And so she wasn't moving as fast on what I wanted her to move on. And inside of me, that was irritating, right? That's the way Neil feels toward me. <laughs> and so He's really talking about you, Mark. He's but just... because of that, then it led me to then start applying pressure to her. And so I realized I was, if, if she is a fellow image bearer, Mm-hmm. as my daughter, as my sister in Christ, as I am, we're image bearers. I realized that what the, the relationship was no longer glorifying God mm-hmm. in that in that moment because I was applying pressure in a really unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and confessed that to her. I wish I was this way earlier on, but it's, it's I'm getting sometimes mm-hmm. better at it. Mm-hmm. But it led to a conversation about what was going on in me, and there was some healthy stuff in me that led to that conversation and some unhealthy part. Mm-hmm. We looked at both. Mm-hmm. And I confessed, and I said, and then we had that conversation about the end aim is that we we love each other and glorify God. Mm-hmm. But it took you know five minutes for a conversation. Yeah. Of course, she's an adult now too. Yeah, but right. we were able to do that because of the work we've done. Mm-hmm. And so I'm resonating with. I think as parents, we we shortchange the whole thing, and our kids walk away with a belief that sin is the action, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it's our responsibility to to highlight what it actually mm-hmm. is, which is yeah. It's a heart yeah. issue. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, there's something that came to mind. There's a there's a great resource. It's fairly new. It would be for younger kids, but it's a book. Uh, I believe it's about Joshua Straub. What am I feeling? Mm. That mm-hmm. oftentimes 
our our actions, the, right. these actions we're talking about, actually come from an internal source. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes our kids don't know how to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And so this book helps frame that a little bit. Yeah. There are a lot and, of adults that don't know how to talk about that. Sure, <laughs> and and so so great book though. What am I feeling? But but once again, it leads us into that path of of yesterday. I believe Josh made the statement of our feelings don't inform God, right? That's right. And so as hum, as humanity, how do we begin to deal with our mm-hmm. feelings, knowing that they may be broken, mm-hmm. and they might lead us down a path of sinfulness? That's right. mm-hmm. But if we're not able to talk about them or discuss them, um, yeah. then then we're, yeah. we're, we feel trapped, right? Well, so. and I think, and I know we, we need to move on, but I think the other thing with kids is just um, generally when I'm talking to parents, I will tell them you probably need to have the conversation sooner than you think you think need you to have it just because we live in, um, in a world where there's so, so many ways for information to be passed around mm-hmm. right? Uh, from, you know, physical, you know, schools, things like that. Also just the, the media and so a lot of times I think we wait just a little bit too long, mm-hmm. um, and then they're coming to us with information. Right. We're like, oh, no, where yep. did they get this information? And so I love what Sean said about giving them parts of it and then seeing where they go with yeah. it to see if they're ready. But um, as a whole, I'd say we probably need to air a little bit earlier by yeah. sharing certain yes. things with our kids. I, I, agree, I agree with that. I think, you know, as as a parent of a 21-year-old, I mean, one thing that I, I became keenly aware of, I think, as is, is, is our daughter was coming up, is that um, she was exposed to things far earlier. far earlier than I thought <laughs> she was and, and or she was going to be, you know. And, and so, and I think that's true of many of us. Like we, you know, I think we, we've, we maybe sometimes... Uh, like to think that we keep our kids in a, in sort of a little bubble where they can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is, is that these are things that we cannot shelter them mm-hmm. from. I mean, it's just, it, it's it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And so, w- therefore, we can't be passive right. Right. in their spiritual development right. and, mm-hmm. and really uh, investing yeah. early in appropriate ways, yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, but investing yeah. in them and, and speaking equipping them yeah. with the truth. If I could so, zoom and, back before we move on, if I could zoom back, I, th- I want to be careful, although we went through the door of parenting, the same concepts we're talking about apply to friendships. That's right. And that's if we date or if we're married, like the same concept of how we confess our sins one to another yeah. is the same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? So it's not just for parents to be hearing, it's right. for all well, of us. And, and I think the other thing out of this passage particularly is um, we can tend to come at it as parents looking at the negative rather than also pointing them to the positive. I mean, because what you see often when you see kind of a a list or a passage related to a particular struggle or sin is it is the counterfeit of what God intended. So this is a great passage for us to be able to talk to our kids about God's Mm. plan, God's plan for, you know, male and female, God's plan for marriage and and those types of things. Mm. And so don't miss the fact that a lot of times when there is something that we're we're looking at and we're trying to tell them, hey, this is why it's wrong, but we sometimes fall short of the right. And so they walk Mm. away going, okay, I've got a picture now of what it shouldn't be, but I don't know that I have a full picture of what it's meant to be. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I, 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 before we run out of time, I do want to hit a couple other things. So, uh, you know, we talked about in, in verse 26, uh, it says that God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And so I think, it was, Mark, it was you that raised the question, um, you know, was, and this may have been something that came up in your life group, but, but the, that, that phrase, God gave them up, 
um, who is that speaking about? Mm-hmm. Um, is it was it was it isolated to a specific group of people, or is that something that's that's speaking of humanity at large? Um, so let's let's just take a couple of minutes and 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 explore that a bit. So what what are the thoughts? I, you, you asked, I asked it. Yeah, I said, don't look at me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it, it matters, you know, um, and how we apply. Uh, it, is, is, is he talking just to this Roman civilization? He said, okay, you have chosen your own way, so I'm going to turn you over. Or is that the condition of all humanity where yeah. he said, all right, you folks have, have gone your own way. I'm going to turn you on, turn you over. But I am going to provide a plan for redemption, so it it, it could fit either way in my mind. So I'm I'm having a hard time um, really grasping who he was speaking to. Yeah. So what's your answer? I don't. I just asked <laughs> I just reframed the question with. <laughs> you think great, that's going to flop? Greater what? urgency. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for great, so hey, giving great the question again. Thanks for asking great Mike's question screen. yet again. Yeah. So yeah. I would. Uh, <laughs> I would say yes, like to both, yeah. right? And so I I do think if you look at this, he is Paul is very intentional on painting a picture of humanity, right? Um that he is he is saying that that all mankind in fact we're going to get there. Yeah. Uh in in Romans 3 for all. Like so he's going to he's going to eventually get us there. So there's this picture of all mankind has has suppressed the truth of God, um, like so. God has given all of mankind over to the sinful nature. Now, however, I think He's also um, capitalizing on the culture to mm-hmm. actually help them think about what He's communicating. That's helpful, right? Yeah. Because I mean, Paul—it's—it's it's the whole rhetorical argument thing. Paul's going to use what's available mm-hmm. to him mm-hmm. to help them to reflect and think about and even ask questions of themselves out of their own culture Mm -hmm. to get them to a place of observing God's truth. Okay. So are you, are you saying in this instance, Paul looked around him and said, Hey, what you're seeing here is a symptom Mm -hmm. or the result of what God has done to turn humanity loose, so to speak. And what you're seeing here is an example of what that looks like. I, I think so. So it like, was specific to this culture, but could be, still, but still, is uh, overarching uh, to specific all to that men. culture, but could happen again. That's right, just as easily. So well, symptoms, but the heart still is the heart That's of right. all mankind. Right. That's right, which yes. is that we we We've diminish also, His righteousness. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. which so, is used kind of verse eighteen as the the overarching passage for the whole thing, and then he's using cultural examples to point back to that. That's right. 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 So um, yeah, and that was that was what good. I was thinking. So in the you know, if you look at the context of uh, verse twenty six. It's really, you know, he's using the word them and they mm-hmm. and all that. Well, if you read earlier in that chapter, you know, starting in verse 18, mm-hmm. you know, it's talking about the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Mm-hmm. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. And so I think, you know, what he's speaking to is God, uh, God gives them up you know, is speaking to anyone who, mm-hmm. um, at any point in time, who suppresses the truth of God mm. and exchanges that for a lie. Yeah. And um, to to so me, it's good. it's really the story of the prodigal son at a 
cultural level or a group level. I mean, you think about that story. You've got a a son who basically says, Dad, I I don't want to do what you want me to do. I want to live my own life my way. And Dad lets him go. Mm -hmm. And everything that he suffers from that point forward was not Dad being mean to him or punitive to him. It was him letting him go live life the way that he wanted to go Mm -hmm. live it and experiencing where that took him. Now, there was an out, right? The out was to acknowledge my way's not working. My way's a mess. And to come back and God, God, the the Father, was ready to accept him with with arms wide open. Mm. Here we just see it not at an individual level of a son that runs off. We see it as as where we all as a group can go if we look at God and say, I don't really believe in you, want to do your thing, live life your way. I, I really would rather do it on my own. There was there was an interesting illustration that I saw in multiple commentaries on this, and it's the picture of God holding the rope on a boat floating downstream. In that, like humanity is tugging against God, um, and it's that whole idea. Uh, Josh, I believe, said it that sin breeds more sin, mm-hmm. right? And so, in in our wanting to cha- chase after self. That there's this picture that that God then lets go of the rope, mm-hmm. and now that sinfulness just takes us deeper into more yeah. sin. Um, and so the only way to stay anchored is is to is to really reach out to mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. God is and what yeah. He's providing. Um, but that our sinfulness literally takes us away from Him and literally consumes us. Um, but to give over. Um, Literally, a lot of a lot of folks says means to let go of the rope, mm. um, and so uh, so it is an interesting picture mm-hmm. of just that whole idea: sin breeds sin. You know, it's interesting because we were as we did the staff training on same sex attraction to make sure we had a not only a biblical view but an accurate view of of that particular um, topic. Mm-hmm. Um, as I taught Sunday, I had a the result for me was simply a greater appreciation of my own. So sexual sin as a heterosexual male, yeah. mm. and how I how I view my wife, how we view like I know the thing that we were nervous about was this other thing, but I looked at the whole passage. The whole passage just made me more repentant of mm. how I how I will misuse and am blinded uh, and sexual sin in general. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I I just thought of this. I I don't know exactly what brought this up in my mind, but but you know, in the context of our life group, someone said, you know, um, well, what about the people that d- that just talk about, you know, hey, w- what kind of God would, mm-hmm. would not want me to be happy? Mm-hmm. You know, and that you hear that a lot, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, this is what makes me happy. What kind of God would not want me to, mm-hmm. you know, which again, I think right there in that statement itself, it's worship of self, right? right. So that's right. sin. But, uh, but you know, as, as it, the, the, the picture came to mind, you know, it's, it's not that God... Is, is trying to, like, do you harm in some way. You know, it's like, as a parent, what good parent would not, mm-hmm. you know, hey, my child really wants to touch that hot stove. Like, right. that's what they want to do. Yeah. But I'm going to stop them and, mm-hmm. and say, no, yep. don't do that, because mm-hmm. I know that because I love you, yeah. that's not what's best for you. And, and a God that designed us and knows what is uh, uh, what is is good and right and, and and is going to long term be best for his children right. um you know it's not that hey i'm trying to i'm trying to keep you from being happy it's mm-hmm. it's these are things that are going to kill you mm-hmm. yeah. 
And I think that line, a God who designed us, is where we have to go back. I think it's really the beginning of this passage, right, is is people who don't want to acknowledge that A, there is a God, and, and B, that he had a design and a plan, and part of that design and a plan was, was creating male and female. Yeah and the, the relationships that would come out of that. And so when we acknowledge on the front end that God did have all of that, then the natural response should be to say, well, he ought to know better than anybody how this should work, and yeah. so let's right. listen to him. That's right. And If I, we don't start with that, though, we don't end up there. That's yeah. right. I, I think yeah. that was the, the line that really resonated with, with my life group from Josh. And, and and you guys know I've got some some people really close to me who, who are um, – practicing i mean they they're up they're very clear and vocal and mm-hmm. how we interact with them I, I i always feel hesitant because i don't want them to feel hatred or disapproval or of them as a person like i don't mm-hmm. love them or I, I, but if you do really believe that this is god's design if that is my conviction it is loving of me to hold on to this conviction and to hope something different for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not hoping for you to be unhappy and I'm not hoping for you to be miserable because you're um, denying your desires. I just happen to really believe what scripture says is that God designed you this way according to his perfect design and you're stepping outside of that design. And because of that, that brings me sadness but not anger towards you and not um, I'm just a killjoy who wants you to be miserable the rest of your life. I, I just really believe in the scripture and that God's plan is best. That's a loving right. posture. And yeah. then, but it's hard to, to help them grasp that because it feels like I'm, I'm against them. And that's the. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- the I think once again, though, like the, it's that whole idea for all of us. Right. And so that um, there was a statement that said, um, I think another commentary writer wrote that majority of people believe that there is a good God, but the error of their belief is that he has their own self-interest in mind Mm. instead of his glory. Mm. And, and to understand that, that God, God created us for good. And I think oftentimes where, where sin leads us is we begin to think that our own passionate desires is what is good Mm. instead of him. Mm. Yeah. Right, and so that's all of us. That's all of us. Right. All of us are going to chase after desires that we deem good, mm. but it's really the realization that God is really the only thing that's good. Neil and looks so, like he's about to explode over yeah. there. I know he's. <laughs> what is it? Right. Hey, I let's, wanna, let's hear your not thoughtful voice. Yeah. You, okay, I want to clarify yeah. something. How's that better? Are we yeah, good? That's okay. good. So, when we talk about God's intention and His design, I want to get clear on that because we live in a fallen state right biologically genetically culturally in every possible way our sin has right um impacted our you could say our even our design right however as a christ follower what i don't want to confuse is my biological or any kind of design kind of like how that does not does that that does not mean that is god's intention for me to behave in a way that is opposite of his word instead even in, because I could have friends who might say, I was born with this predisposition to be this way mm-hmm. for same sex attraction. Be clear, 
I'm not born this way for a homosexual lifestyle. I am born, I might even be born with certain things for anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. That right. does not mean that God's intention is for me to mm-hmm. behave in a way right. that perpetuates anxiety and depression. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? His That's intention right. is for me, as a follower of Christ, is to live a life of stewardship and sacrifice, denying myself to the end of his glory mm-hmm. and my joy fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be clear as Christians that as a lot, we are, all of us, on a journey of living in broken bodies, mm-hmm. broken desires, a broken culture, and our response is repentance right. and alignment right. with His and His grace right. and the Holy Spirit indwelling in us to the end of His glory, whatever we bring to Him to redeem what we mm. have broken or is broken inside of us, mm. right? That That's is good. And yeah. in that, we experience that was, pure joy. But I was thoughtful, right. both thoughtful and boldly stated. You like that? Yes. I yes. can yes. use like that voice from yeah. now on. So, <laughs> good. Uh, so what you're saying is, uh, you may not be saying this, but let me try this. My brokenness um, does not change God's design in the sense of his order. It does not change his intent. That's original design. He's got an original design and order, mm-hmm. but because yes. of sin, I've jacked that up in a thousand different ways. That's we, right. right. Post-Adam. And probably Adam. generationally. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it's been jacked up. That's right. right. Well, and if we take that at a physical level, I mean, God had an original perfect design for how our bodies would function. Mm-hmm. When we, through modern medicine and technology, we find out that we are expecting a baby that has a heart abnormality, we don't just say, well, they're going to be born that way, and so that's just the way it should be. We know that that abnormality goes against that original design Design. for the body, and so if there are ways to remedy that, to bring it more into alignment with that, we do. Now, modern medicine has limitations, and so I think to your point— um, there are some who will struggle with things at a at a maybe a psychological level that it won't necessarily ever be gone, but they will learn to live with that in a way that honors God mm-hmm. as a is that, as a posture of stewardship and submission because God's intent right. is for me to still pursue Him and live exactly. a full life exactly mm. yeah absolutely I mean I get to pick what those things are that mm-hmm. I inherit or mm-hmm. or grow up into. But I do have a choice on submitting to him. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's and good. trust, not, not a submission out of like uh, arbitrary or punit- in a punitive way, but like mm-hmm. joy, I trust. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So we are uh, just about out of time. Uh, but I do want to hit one more thing uh, in, in this. Uh, so, but, but we have to commit not to spend, uh, <laughs> not, not to go overboard here. We have 30 um, seconds. But I do want to bring Corey it up. Corey has to hold the line on the timer. That's right. <laughs> I do want to bring it up because it was a question that was posed to you, Neil, right? Yeah. Um, uh, asking the question that was it said on Sunday? That women are more important than men, or, or some something like that. Was that that the way the question was stated? I think just to you? in general, like we we talked, it got brought up in the sermon uh, right. uh, as image bearers, and so I'll make sure we at least right. cover it. And so I think for me, it is we want to be clear about um, men and women as image bearers. God's intent, His design, is that we are all equal in mm-hmm. status and value as image bearers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but distinct in, in other ways. In fact, when women are created, that we have the line in Genesis 
uh, of the the Ezer, the Ezer, the Ezer, the helper, right? And so, uh, what was Josh's exact statement on Sunday? I think I think Sean had it written down. I had a version uh, of it. His sounded more accurate. <laughs> so it was the that um, that woman was the crown of God's creation. Yeah, like so it's it's the whole idea that she is the final thing that God creates. Right. So um, so to me, the it, it was that whole idea of crowns, not status. Right. It's the final. It's the mm-hmm. it's the it's the end of God creating. Yeah. So if you go back to the Genesis account, it is after that point that God looks at what he has created mm-hmm. and says, this is very good. Very good. Mm. His design of it, his creation, the order of it, this this is what it's mm-hmm. meant to be, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, and I think in, in doing so, uh, I think what Josh was pointing to, while Paul decides to talk about women, First versus men. That's right. Is if he if she is the final thing that God's creating, then in essence, what Paul's saying because of this evil passions and desires, if woman has fallen, right, then throughout creation there is no hope for man inside of mankind. Mm. There's 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 something else that has to come and rescue. There's there's hope that has to be found somewhere else. Um, so that's that's kind of the way. Mm. I heard it and and took it. Yeah, um, and for me, it goes back to the idea of also if sin blinds me and is a heart issue, it makes sense that as men and women, we are going to struggle in sinfulness with each other, and the enemy would use mm-hmm. gender and roles, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. our misuse of those things, sure. to constantly just kind of keep and eroding. I think, and I think what's important to note here, I mean, I think the topic, the question, or the genesis of the question was because. Um, Josh did attempt to address why did Paul uh, speak to women's brokenness before he spoke to men, mm-hmm. which was it was immediately before, right? So, right. But I think it's important to note, like this is a secondary issue as it relates to this this passage and this topic. Like this is um, this is not the main thrust of the right. uh, passage of the passage, but it is it's there. It's but there. but it was a question that came up yeah. for someone. So and thank, thanks for asking. We wanted yeah. to try and, uh, yeah. and at least address it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys, great discussion today. And, um, so, uh, thanks for engaging it so well and, and, and Neil for, for using your, uh, your, <laughs> your bold, bold, yeah, thank strong you, voice. You're like thank it. you, Jennifer. You're welcome. You're welcome. Mike. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, Still well, creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was very creepy. Um, so, hey, we're going to continue into the Roman series uh, again. I, you know, I, I'll say next week, but but really, it's for several months. So, um, hey, who's right. who's preaching this next Sunday? Uh, I believe it's Josh Kinsley. Yeah, yes. yep. yeah. So. We're doing his practice sermon this week. This, yep, that's yeah. right. Yep, it's good. So uh, we'll we'll be looking forward to that. Josh will will pick up into the second chapter of Romans mm-hmm. and uh, and move this uh, this series forward for us. And so we're looking forward to that. But guys, as always, great discussion. Really enjoyed the time. And uh, love walking alongside you guys. Awesome. Y'all have a Thank good one. Thank you. See you guys. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others. And don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review. And tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And... If you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org 
or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.